Hello, I'm Jason Barnwell. I work for Microsoft and I lead a legal business operations and strategy team. And today I'm sitting here and talking with Judy Jennison of Perkins Coie and David Daggett of Davis Wright Tremaine. They are our relationship partners, um, and each of them manages a very large and expansive relationship covering many different work areas and lots and lots of work, and they do it very well. And the reason I'm talking with them today is they're also complete weirdos because they actually work with each other across their firm boundaries. And so we are going to get a little bit deeper into that. But before we do, I wanted to give each of them an opportunity to introduce themselves and get into a bit of a conversation where we talk about what it means to be a relationship partner for this kind of relationship. So, Judy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, thanks, Jason, and thanks for having us. This is going to be a super fun conversation, I think. Um, Judy Jennison, uh, IP litigation partner at Perkins Coie. Um, spent eight years of my career in-house at Microsoft from 2004 to 2012 uh, in a number of different roles. So uh, I think one of the things that's relevant for this discussion in particular is the fact that I've been on both sides. And so that really does help inform my approach to relationship management. Dave? And my name is Dave Daggett. I'm a partner at Davis Wright Tremaine in the Seattle office. Um, I have always been outside counsel, although um, what may help in uh, 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 this issue for me is that I was not always a lawyer. So uh, prior to uh, law school, I was a technology professional. Um, and that's helped in my uh, in my practice quite a bit, which was, uh, was and still is um, technology transactions. Um, but it's also helped me to, to look at things in kind of a different way. And we'll get into that a little bit more. I will absolutely co-sign what Dave is talking about. He may be one of the uh, few attorneys who is nerdier than I am. Uh, <laughs> I, re I, re I remember you sent me the uh, specification for your, your home computing rig, and it was stupefying. So, well, let's, let's talk about what it means to be a relationship partner. Um, so when both of you were tapped to lead the relationship, how did you grow into the role? What what was what was surprising that you found on the other side of the door? Uh, so many things. So I, I would say I, I feel like I'm still growing into it and will be growing into it uh, as long as I'm doing it. I'm sure. Um, the uh, one of the things that. Um, that was a real challenge for me was understanding the capabilities we had at the firm in practices that I didn't know anything about, uh, to find who the right people are to support particular matters that were coming up for the clients. As a relationship partner, obviously you want to make sure everybody's happy on both sides. Uh, that's an easy thing to say and a harder thing to do. Uh, it really means at some level making sure you've got the right people at the firm matched with the right projects at the company. And sometimes doing that requires that you get really deep in stuff you don't know very much about uh, and talk to other people at the firm to, to find out who the right resources are, et cetera. So I don't know if that answered your question or not. It does. Okay. Yeah, so uh, from my perspective, I mean, there, it, well, I guess that the, the real high level uh, bit on this one is that as far as doing this successfully, I think the, I think the jury is still out from the law firm's perspective. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes uh, over the years. Um, well, your, your client is very happy. Exactly. <laughs> and we'll get into that. But I, that's one of the, uh, the points I think is most important. Um, as far as um, it, the challenges, though, I mean, it really, 
part of it is is the um, the access issues as as uh, Judy highlights, and the other part, which is for me, is um, uh, something that I, I need to constantly be working on um, is the the focus on um, you know taking the, the the practice from sort of the micro level where it was to more of the macro level, right? So now I'm not worrying about what's good about my practice or even just IP tech transactions, but but what's good about uh, you know the whole firm's relationship with with the client. And so it, it, always trying to keep that uh, in the forefront is just a sort of a new frame of reference for me. So I, that's really interesting because it, it, I think I've heard both of you say you start off and you you have your practice that's in front of you, and that's kind of your sphere of responsibility and influence. And then it, overnight, it kind of explodes <laughs> into this much bigger thing. And I guess, how do you operationalize that process of, of, of the, the, the two aspects I heard? One is really learning what are the meets and bounds of what we do and potentially where do we want to go? And then also, how do you stay in that mindset where you, you don't snap back to the place of comfort, the, the things that you know best? Well, for, for me, I guess one of the first things that I did was um, kind of roughed out a, a framework business plan approach, basically, to the relationship. What were the key things that I thought uh, we needed to stay focused on? Obviously, making sure that we had a positive relationship with the people at Microsoft and that Microsoft was happy with all of us. That's one thing. Needed to make sure we built the right teams on the Perkins side to make sure that we had the talent in place to do the work that Microsoft needed us to do, uh, to make sure that that talent, in, when in place, uh, has the right perspective to, to step into the work that they do for the company and show up in the way that the company needs the lawyers to show up. So really educating people about the company's mindset, uh, what the company's goals are, how um, the folks at the company really want lawyers to engage with them, staying focused on what the business clients need so that our lawyers are providing legal advice that matches more closely uh, the same kind of legal advice that the in-house lawyers are providing to their clients rather than staying distance and providing you know, a legal opinion on an abstract issue without really boiling it down to how it's going to be delivered internally. Um, making sure that we're building diverse teams, uh, staying focused on the diversity pipeline and making sure that we're sponsoring diverse talent and, and helping to develop diverse talent. Making sure we have the right technology in place and we've got the right people available to help us develop technological solutions as we need in order to support the relationship uh, and making sure we've got the right legal ops people in place. And so those were the, the main categories that I focused on and made sure that we had that either I or other people at the firm were focused on doing each of those things. Um, and I, I do want to say at the outset, uh, and I, I know that Dave will agree with me on this, none of what we do is possible without an army of exceptionally talented people back at the firm. The people who are doing the day-to-day -day work, the people who are uh, in the legal ops group, the people who are in our tech group, the people who do the billing, uh, our admins, everybody who touches this relationship does a phenomenal job, and, and we, couldn't, we couldn't enjoy the relationships that we enjoy with Microsoft without those people. No, that, that's absolutely true, Judy. I think the Perkins people do I'll do a wonderful job. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, my, my, my colleagues in analogous roles, I think, um, uh, also, frankly, enable me to do what I do. And I don't disagree with anything that you said, although you something that you said, Jason, made me 
take the question a little bit differently. It's like, how do I avoid uh, inadvertently slipping back into being a, a line attorney? Because that is something that I, I, I struggle with all the time. And I think that's that's important. And I think it also colors some of the other discussion we may want to have. Although I think what ultimately animates all of a successful relationship between relationship partner and and the client has to be focused on what's good for the client. In order to sell all this effectively back at the firm to keep your partners happy, it's still a business relationship. And I know, you know, I, I may not be focused on every possible statistic that, that is being kept, but there's this overall sense of what the what the pie is, and is it growing? And um, you know, if I'm focusing on you know, if I find myself slipping back into you know, what are my hours? What is my production? I, I know I'm doing the wrong thing. When I'm focusing on um, you know what what's the firm doing? What how does the overall growth look? And it's it's frankly completely irrelevant what my numbers are. Um, if if the relationship based on, and I, I'm, I'm assuming we'll get into the concept that the word hours hopefully will not be uttered in, in uh, uh, client relationships in the future, but you know, if the overall uh, uh, revenue is, is increasing between firm and client, something good's happening. And um, I, I need to always keep my, my head on, on that. Um, and that will keep my partners happy. And then making sure that what animates that, what the reason that number is going up, that's all based on client satisfaction. And that's where, you know, I think Judy's interaction with, with her clients at Microsoft, my interaction with, with our clients at Microsoft, that's where, um, you know, we had, I think, sort of tremendous and potentially a bit of a unique value. Mm. Yeah, I would I would uh, completely agree with what Dave just said, and and uh, and say that I don't think that I've really mastered the uh, dividing line between my own personal production and uh, client relationship time. I'm probably spending about a fifth of my time now on doing legal work myself. Um, the question that I ask myself when a call comes in and I think, oh, I could do that, is am, am I gonna do the best job on this better than anybody else or is there somebody else who's gonna do better? And in most instances, somebody else is gonna do a better job because my attention is really divided uh, in a number, you know, among a number of different areas. Um, so I think it's, I think for keeping the relationship hat on makes me, makes me question whether I should be doing this or whether somebody else should be doing it. Well, I mean, uh, so I get to see all the numbers. Uh, and both of you lead some of our most sizable accounts. And I, I'm also, I, I'm very happy to say we've seen growth uh, for both of your, your portfolios. And I think that that is, you know, there's some seasonality to these things, but we see you doing the things we ask you to and doing them well. And part of the reason that we ask these things of you is because our hypothesis is that it will cause you to deliver better service to us, which creates a virtuous cycle, which results in more work. And so I hope that the the, the material upticks I've seen for both of your books of business is indicative of seeing us recognize the value that you guys are delivering. And I do think it's important to highlight that you, you guys are thinking about it in a way that makes a lot of sense to us, which is your job as the relationship partner is to grow the pie, is to originate work for other people to make sure that the absolute 
best person on your bench is stepping up and doing that work. And so I am delighted to hear that that is such a focus for you both. Um, and yes, we will absolutely get to uh, incentives and business models. Don't, don't worry. Um, so what is the most fun part of being a relationship partner for one of these institutional accounts? Is there a fun part? <laughs> so, um, I mean, I, I I looked at you know what what are sort of the different roles in in being a relationship partner, and yeah, there's some administrative aspects to it, which are, are sort of mundane, um, and some policy aspects, and you know, which occasionally in, in, uh, requires putting on a tuxedo, and that's kind of fun. <laughs> but um, the and there are are aspects of just in the existing business model trying to grow the pie like we talked about and and you know that's interesting and challenging but the the part that really you know gets me excited um, is, is the part that sort of um, turns on the old uh, uh, technologist part of my brain it's innovation it's I, I know I, I will probably get in hot water for uh, this con- uh, comment but I don't, and this is not a comment about Davis Wright or about Perkins. It's a comment about big law. Um, I don't think big law is particularly well designed or efficient. I don't think it ever was. Um, it's worked for a very long time because it's worked, um, and there was not a lot of challenge to it. Um, but the concept of of innovating to change the way large law firm lawyers practice law, how we do what we do, is really exciting to me. And because that is something that um, you as a client are, are really interested in, that enables me to do that. So yeah, that's, that's really fun and really exciting. Yeah, I would completely echo that. Uh, the innovation is is absolutely one of the most fun things that we get to do. And related to that is that we're really empowering people on both sides. So we're empowering the people at our law firms to um, improve their careers, to do work that's meaningful to them, to focus on work that's fun, that's changing the world, that's super exciting. We're empowering the people at Microsoft to, to get their jobs done better. Um, we're empowering Microsoft to sell more products and services. Uh, so that that to me is really the thing that, that I get the most energy from is, is just it, it, it feels like sort of a virtuous cycle of people doing goodness for each other. So what's, what's the worst part? Well, so so I, I, I hesitate to categorize this as the worst part, but I, I will say, I mean, this gets back to the innovation point that Dave was making. The, we, we have a model that, um, and, and my firm's very supportive of innovation and really, really looking forward, and I know Dave's firm is too, but there still are a bunch of different mini fiefdoms at the firms that really, they have a model that's working for them, and they don't see the value of innovation. They may view what Microsoft is doing as just a, a way to disrupt for the sake of disruption. And, you know, perhaps Microsoft doesn't understand how difficult it is to run a successful offer. And and so, um, so, so that is a, it's one of the things that we deal with in our roles. And, um, and at least for me, you know, I'm trying to help educate people and everybody's perspective is different. You know, we, we're like the three blind men and the elephant, you know, we're, we're, everybody touches a different piece and from my perspective I'm positive what the truth is and from someone else's perspective you know their truth is different 
And so there is no absolute right or wrong. It's really about um, helping people see the other perspective and, and try to find a path forward. You worked here and you know that at Microsoft we had the same challenge in as much as we had existing businesses that were wildly profitable and that were, were feeding us right now. And, but we also needed to grow new businesses. And in many instances, they were at intention with each other. And that, that just seems like the way of the world. And so in that regard, I think you guys are not special. Uh, mm-hmm. But it is one of those things that is just really hard to overcome exactly because of, I think, the reasons you said. It's, it's a matter of perspective. Yeah. And it's not that people you know, are doing things that are irrational for what they see in front of them. Yep. Um, and so trying to give them the big picture is often offers a, a way forward. I'm, I'm curious if there are any aspects of the experience, uh, Dave, that are, are less than energizing for you. How about, how about that? Well, I mean, I, I in, in thinking about this before we, we talked, I had the note that, well, there's the occasional discussion I have to have with the occasional, a truly occasional person that, you know, where someone has done something that rise, rises to a relationship level that, you know, we need to, we need to talk about. But, you know, I, in fairness, I've got great partners and great colleagues, and I think I've had to do that twice in, in a year, and they were really minor things, sort of, uh, in the abstract. But, I was kind of laughing when, when Judy said that because, I, again, in thinking about it, I said, well, what's the most you know fun part of this job? And I said, the innovation. And then I thought about what's the least fun part of this job? And I said, yeah, also probably the innovation. Because <laughs> it's it really is the case that um, a significant constituency has kind of a it ain't broke, don't try to fix it attitude. And... You know, I, I, I really liked your example a moment ago, Jason, because it made me think about the growth of Office 365. When when you guys created Office 365, you had an office products business that was doing great. And and you were you were going out to create something that really sort of cannibalized your other business. And you know, it took real real vision to do that and courage to do that, to be able to say, look, this is where the, the market's going to be in 10 years. We need to go there now. And that's that's kind of the, you know, I'm sure there were there were lots of analogous discussions at Microsoft at the time when, when people were, were coming up with Office 365, that why are you doing this? Why are you, We have a very profitable business. Why are you trying to kill it? Um, and I think, you know, <laughs> in our heart of hearts, I think we have some of those, you know, discussions from time to time uh, in very polite ways with our colleagues. But I, I think there there really is a, a fear that, you know, we, we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater in trying to, to do all this. Mm-hmm. Well, some amount, so some amount of tension is always healthy, right? Because it keeps us honest. It holds us accountable. Um, and we are grateful that both of you relish in the challenge of, of trying to really bring the, the, I would say, I was going to say your firms, it's really trying to bring our profession forward. I think you guys are operating at a, a slightly different scale uh, than many others, and we, we appreciate that partnership. So I think uh, I, I would not ask you guys to describe the process by which, uh, you know, I don't know that it is a linear process to become a relationship partner, um, but I'm sure that there are many people who are out starting their profession 
who have real grand ambitions for having these kinds of roles where you really do get to steer the strategy for for both the relationship and I think implicitly on some level for the firm. And I guess what are the things that you could do, at, you know, earlier in your career, earlier in your practice, so that you start having the skills, the perspective, the the capabilities to do this kind of job. So I am in the relationship role. I think it's it's um, fair to say that it, it, it's because of my relationships at Microsoft. It's because of my personal relationships with a lot of people here in the department, which I built because I was working here. So I was here all the time. So then that's, you know, I'm not necessarily saying everybody needs to go work in-house for a while in order to become a relationship partner, but it doesn't hurt. Uh, (laughs) I I think the takeaway is that you you need to, to understand the uh, uh, what your clients are doing, what they're trying to accomplish, and you need to have good, trusting relationships with them. And you can start building those as a first-year associate with every client you come in contact with. Listen to them, understand the environment that they're working in, understand what it is they're trying to accomplish. And if you put that gloss over all the work you're doing for them, you're going to be building a relationship over time that puts you in a perfect position to be able to manage a relationship like this, I think. So the, I want to touch back on something you, you started off with when you were describing what you do that I think is is so critically important and allows people to differentiate their work early on, uh, specifically understanding how your work lands. So I, I really want to reinforce this point. I think when you're in a law firm, uh, you are trained that the thing I will give to the client is a memo. If they ask a short question, you get a memo. If I ask a long question, I get a memo. If I ask for a wiki, I will give you a memo. Um, and understanding how the work lands to influence the internal clients and putting it in the form that is closest to that. So so don't give me oil, give me gasoline. Refine it as much as you can so that it is close to the end product that I can use, I think is critical. And I think that's one of the, the things that when I saw you practice, uh, so you were a subject matter expert for us internally, and that was something that really differentiated you. And that's just a starting point, right? So going back to what you were talking about, like you build relationships on top of that empathy and that excellence, and then you, you span out from there. But I, there's something that I see as a repeated pattern wherein the outside counsel don't take the time to really understand how the work lands internally. And I just wanted to take a moment and, and kind of pin that down so we didn't lose it. Sorry, I, I jumped in front of you there. Totally fine. <laughs> no, and I've, I've thought about this one quite a bit. Um, so there are a number of, of elements, and you know, assuming I, I was talking to a, a first-year associate, um, you know, how do you how do you become me at, at some point? God forbid. Um, <laughs> the the very first thing is you know, more than anything else, you have to be an excellent lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's jurisdictional, and that's not because someday you're going to be a relationship partner, and you know someone's going to you know look to you to answer a specific substantive question, but the the people you will largely be working with aren't going to be in your subject matter area. And you need to have developed over the years a reputation for absolute excellence in what you did so that at least people can, you're sort of leading from the front, people, you inspire others on the, the broader team to be excellent. Um, because at the end of the day, um, it's a business relationship, but 
and you know the, the criticality of, of, of the various different work streams you're working on will, will clearly vary, but there will be very important things from time to time that your firm is asked to do. And knowing that the person leading is leading from the front and demands excellence of the whole team, I think is critical to ultimately to the relationship. Um, you know, second point is is get out of your chair. And this goes to, to <laughs> Judy's point. I, I was uh, at, a, at a firm before my current firm, and it was you know both very flattering and really sad at the same time when I heard the, the comment I'm, a, I'm about to share. I, I live 260 miles east of here, and I we were at our uh, Microsoft team meeting, and there was 150 people in a room or on the phone, and I was on the phone because I was I was working in, in the, my home office. And our client relationship manager said, you know, we were out at Microsoft and, you know, we got lots of great feedback and they said they want to see our, our attorneys on campus more. They like to see the people they're working with. This no one in the firm is doing a better job of that than David Daggett in the Spokane office, which I thought was like really flattering and really sad. I mean, I had 100 plus <laughs> colleagues who, who were sitting in, in an office 12 miles from campus and I made it over there more than they did. Um, get out of your chairs. I mean, it, you you can't build relationships over the phone. You 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 know you you can't. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Um, the other th- well, there are a number of, of aspects, but this this one is also I think super critical. I I started working when I was thirteen, and I remember my father telling me I was working for for him in a, in a liquor store he owned, and he said the perfect employee is someone who is an employee but treats the business like an owner. And you know when you're starting out as an associate, um, you're not an owner of the business, and you're not an owner of the relationship. But you know what? That doesn't mean from day one you can't act like an owner of the business and act like an owner of the relationship. Not by putting on errors, but by taking on responsibilities. And you know that gets you noticed. And that's you know when when clients see you acting like an owner, really taking responsibility, to Jason's point, really trying to figure out, well, you know, I understand that you asked me for this, but what are you going to do with it so I can tailor how I, I provide you the feedback? Um, that already puts you in sort of a cut above. Uh, and you know, go to the relationship partner in your firm for the client you want to want to be working with and tell them as a first year or second year, I want to be you in eight years or seven years or whatever time frame you think will be least threatening. Um, and, <laughs> And offer to help. People like people that take initiative. People like people that offer to help. So you do that. And the, I, please. Well, yeah, so the other one was just you know, be innovative. But I think we'll be talking about that a little bit more. <laughs> I, I think you really you, you grabbed onto something with that, which is so owners don't wait to be asked to do something, right? They just spot a gap. They spot an opportunity. And they say, hmm, this is going to be good for us. I'm just going to go do it, which doesn't mean you go off on, you know, without telling people what you're doing and you, you know, you must communicate. But I think you've, you've given people something to really latch on to that if they want to advance their career, whether they want to be a relationship partner, whether you want to be a practice group, whatever, if you want to be a, a, an observed, excellent leader in your firm, you need to act like somebody who is going to be there in the future with that responsibility sooner than you have it. Uh, because that also makes it much easier for people to give you that responsibility. Mm-hmm. You're effectively de-risking the decision when you act like you already have the responsibility. It's like, hmm, I've observed that that person doesn't have this title, but they seem to exhibit all the traits and abilities we expect somebody who would have that title to have. Maybe we should give them a chance. Yeah. So that's, that is gold. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm curious how you guys thinking. So I, you opened the door for something I, I want to go after, uh, Dave. How do you think about bringing along the next generation of the leaders who will really own this engagement and take it forward? So, yeah, I think the easiest thing on that is, is frankly, just to be as inclusive as humanly possible. And get out of your head from day one. I mean, this isn't about me. It's about the, the relationship between a, a client that I, I really like and a firm. And so if it's not about me, I should be focused entirely on what's going to make that relationship best. And to me, that's to be as inclusive as possible. So what I find is, you know, I, I want as many people as, as we have on our team who are interested in helping out to help. I, I never turn anyone away. Um, the flip side of that, and then sort of goes to the getting out of your chair comment, um, you know, doing this takes time. And so people will self-select in and self-select out of that of that work. And you will find over time, um, and I've, you know, I've only been doing this now for um, a little over a year and a half, but um, I'm funny about what I, I would expect. I mean, there, it, and it's, it's not unique to the law. I mean, I, I had some friends who were very good um, uh, church-going people, and they used to talk about the 25 families, and I thought it sounds like a mafia thing. They said, no, it's the, it's the 25 families in any church that do all the work. Mm. And you know, you you find I think in any group there there will be those people who talk a good game, and there will be those people who really kind of put their money where their mouths are. And, and in the, the case of, of this, who when you say, okay, well that's a great idea, do you want to lead it? Do you want to own it? Do you want to go run that uh, program to, you know, have um, uh, cocktail parties once a quarter with with the client or, or whatever it is? Things that that don't directly translate into revenue and therefore won't trans immediately translate into you know an increase in salary. Some people will bias towards doing those and some people won't. And I think over you know, I've got my eye clearly on, on some people and I, I, I have already identified the uh, woman who will be my replacement someday if she doesn't if she doesn't go away. Um, <laughs> And you know, letting people know early on that look, I, I see something in you. Keep doing it, uh, and I want you to be the next me in seven years. And I want you know you who are a much younger younger associate, but clearly taking an ownership of issues. I want you to step up in 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 ten years and be the co relationship lead. But you need to know there's like three of you. I wanted I want to do that, and there's only going to be one ultimately. So. You know, you should all keep you know keep up the, the effort. So to, yeah, I and mean, it's all about being inclusive and, and pulling people in, and then seeing who who really helps. That's a great recipe. Yeah, totally agree with that. Um, I would add, so this is kind of a related to being inclusive. Um, something that's important for me is transparency, mm. uh, and that includes kind of being vulnerable and sort of failing visibly and calling myself out. I want people to know what I'm trying, what's working, what's not working. Uh, I I um, want to create a real culture of people. Well, it's a growth mindset, really. Um, and uh, and I think one of the key ingredients for that is for me to to be to be honest about what I'm what I'm going through, um, what the what the victories are, what the challenges are, et cetera. Um, I also think it's super important 
for me to reach out to the future leaders, to let them know that they're valued, that I see them. They may not be in my practice group. They may not be, be people I work with directly. I want them to know that their partners are saying great things about them, that the clients are saying great things about them, that I'm invested in building a path for them to be to continue to, to grow the kind of work that they're doing for the company. Um, I, I, um, I, I worry that in this um, climate where there's a lot of competition for talent, people, if they don't feel like they are, like someone's investing in them, then they'll um, vote with their feet and make another choice. And related to that is credit, even, even so credit certainly for partners who are taking an important role in the relationship, making sure that they get statistical credit so that they'll be recognized come comp time at the end of the year. And even for associates too, uh, for whom origination credits are really not important, they they um, don't relate to comp decisions for associates. Um, the associates still feel like they are building something, and it's super important for them uh, to know that that they're that they're being recognized as someone who is supervising a matter or has helped originate a matter. I think you guys have, have given a, a great playbook on just activating people generally. Um, and there's a couple things that you, you, you highlighted that I would say that we often don't see as cultural traits at law firms. And one is actually telling people, I believe in you, there's a path for you, please stay, right? It, it, it seems like it's so often the fact like, you know, somebody is about to exit, it's like, where are you going? We have these grand designs for you. You're screwing up the plan, this was gonna be great. <laughs> like, well, why didn't you tell me that? Like, ah, you know. Yep. The other is transparency, which, you know, lawyers love to hoard information. Yeah. Um, we, we think, that, I think we're, we're taught both by training and by custom that information is power and segmenting it, keeping it scarce is, is magically a way to grow that power, which is very backwards looking. Uh, so in the future, information is going <laughs> to be more freely available. And so real value comes from synthesizing solutions across that. And so I think that goes beyond just the substantive. It's giving people a view on like, this is how the business works, giving them an understanding early on, like these are the things you should do. And I think that you guys are doing it the right way. Uh, and I wish that we saw more of that. Um, one interesting thing that I'll note on origination, uh, I'm talking with uh, Lisa Brown at Starbucks, who's their uh, the senior director of, of legal ops. And on my backlog is to start cracking open how origination works and to start asking uh, firms how do you apply credit for the work that is done here? Because we think that is going to be an understanding that and understanding the impacts it has is going to be a necessary element for us to help you guys develop your talent. Um, and so it's going to be nosy and awkward and uncomfortable, and I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Super. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, great. Uh, I think that's a good segue into, uh, so you, you guys are, are, are just do things differently, and I, that's really what I wanted to get at. So I think people hearing the banter back and forth have an understanding, I hope, that you guys actually get along. Like, you work very well together, and one of the things that we're observing is you guys partner across your organizational boundaries, and by that I mean among your firms better than almost anybody else that we work with. And that's interesting because nominally you guys are competitors, but you, you seem to make it work. How do you do it? Where does it come from? Why are you doing this? 
Please listen to part two of this episode to learn how Judy and Dave are working together to innovate the profession.